Hey, it's Tyler from the Press Box. Football season is back, and so is our free football contest. Every Friday, you'll have a chance to win 100 bucks just by picking a few winners. It's our free football contest sponsored by Dollar Loan Center, offering signature loans of up to $5,000. Go to don'tbebroke.com. Hello. I can hear you. I can hear you, too. The question is, is anybody hearing us, or are we just talking I to each other? I think everybody else can really? hear us. All what right. a nightmare this start oh, has been boy. to the day. I like to refer to these as technical difficulties. The technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah. That is one way to refer to <laughs> well, it. Well, there's other ways, but we yes. won't. <laughs> so, here's the press box. Yeah, we're here. A little uh, little rough on the edges press <laughs> box, but we're we're... We got it going for now. So you want to you want to start with the Raiders? You ready to talk about the Raiders and Colts? Are you going to hit the button or no? We're just gonna I don't go know which it. button Jared right. hits. Okay, Jared's so I'm not here for Jared everybody right that's, that's wondering. Yes, I'm going to ask you how many first bite. How many yards will Jonathan Taylor <laughs> run for against the Raiders? Uh, what if I tell you I don't think it matters? I, well, <laughs> I knew you were going to tell me you don't think it matters. No, no, like I don't think it matters in terms of who wins the game. Oh, so if he goes for 196, it won't matter. Well, 196 a lot. So maybe 196 <laughs> matters. But like if we're if we're ranking the things that are important for the Raiders to win in this game, I think stopping Jonathan Taylor is kind of low on the list. Like obviously he's, you know, the best running back in the NFL. The Colts are the best rushing team in the NFL. The Colts are going to want to run the ball. Yeah. And the Raiders have had a pretty solid run defense this year. And last week they were spectacular. But to me, there's two things that are much, much more important than slowing down or stopping Jonathan Taylor. The first one is the Raiders have to score. Like the Raiders are not winning this game by putting up 17, 16 points like they have been the last two weeks. So I think everything the Raiders do on offense is significantly more important than anything they do against Jonathan Taylor. And then on the other side, I think it's more important to make sure Carson Wentz and the Colts passing game doesn't have a good day or Sam Ellinger, whoever the hell it is. Like, I think it's going to be more important for them to not have a passing game because listen, Jonathan Taylor is averaging over hundred yards per game, right? Nate. He's going most likely to have a good game right. on the ground against the Raiders. Right. He's done it against pretty much everybody this year. But I think you can live if Jonathan Taylor has 108 yards. I think the I think the problem is going to be is if A, the Raiders don't score, and B, if Carson Wentz, whoever the quarterback is, has a successful day. If the, if they're able to run and well, pass Well, if he has 108 you, yards and they're able to pass, then the right. Raiders have no chance. Exactly. So, like, I think it's a case of, like, yeah, you kind of, not that you let him, but Jonathan Taylor's going to get what Jonathan Taylor right. gets. Right. If you're good everywhere else, you can still win the game. You have a chance. And that, to me, I think is more important because Jonathan Taylor running the ball, yeah, he's going to have some chunk plays, but he's probably not going to have 150 yards and three touchdowns from like 40 yards away or something like that. Hot take? Yeah. 101. All right. They hold him seven yards (laughs) below his average? Good day? Yes, yes. Good day? They've been good against the run. They have. been good against the run. Now, this isn't Gordon and Williams. I get that. This is a much, much better back. But they've been good against the run. Another hot take in... uh, I know this is this is starting to happen. And it's, by the way, it's going to happen with the Raiders, too. So stop, just stop the nonsense about how the NFL is against the Raiders. Uh, Ian Rapport this morning, the Colts activated linebacker Darius Leonard, wide receiver Zach Pascal, and safety uh, Kari Willis from reserve COVID-19. A few remain, including Carson Wentz, who can come off Sunday morning. I think both you and I assume 
and expect Carson Wentz because of the new protocols to come off Sunday morning. Have we? Have you seen any report on if he's symptomatic or asymptomatic? I have not. Okay, because neither have I. Which and that's that's a big deal. The new protocol. That's pretty much the only thing that matters. Yeah. Just Carson, do you have symptoms or not right. after you test positive? So if he is symptomatic then he's not able to then come back Sam off Ellinger. the list. If he's asymptomatic, he can come off the list Sunday morning and be ready to play. Um, the other part of that, as we've talked about quite a bit, is we're kind of on the honor system as far as symptoms yes. go. Like Carson other than Wentz, straight temperature? Yeah. I don't know what they can do if he says I'm fine right. and he's not coughing like a crazy person and he's just sitting there looking at them. Right. How are they going to tell if he's systematic? Yeah, like if he feels bad or something, but I, yeah, it's, it's, that's what it's going to be, which makes you think even more. Yeah. Carson Wentz is going to play even if, even if he is slightly symptomatic, but he's able to hide it. Like that's kind of the assumption we're going with, with a lot of NFL players that right. if they are, they test positive, they're just going to tell everybody they're asymptomatic as long as they possibly can. So because they don't have to test again. Yeah. I, that's, yeah. That's <laughs> the other the thing best yeah. of all of this. No negative test to come back. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the assumption here is that he is going to play and yes. not that Carson Wentz has been great, but he's been solid this year. He's been much better than he was last he's year. Better when than he, Sam Ellinger. Yeah. And, and last year, Carson Wentz looked like the worst quarterback in the NFL. Right. And he's been significantly better this year. Now he still had some moments. They've still had games where he completed like five passes and they won. Um, I think the Raiders have to be in a spot where they make Carson, Carson Wentz, Wentz beat him. I don't even know if it's beat, beat him. him. I just think it's, you've got to be in uh, four or five plays in this game. Car you have to make sure it's Carson Wentz that makes the play. Instead of Jonathan Taylor? And Well, yeah. So instead of being in third and two, make sure you're yeah. in a third and eight. Right, exactly. And if Carson Wentz beats you, you're going to lose the game. And he might do that because Carson Wentz has been solid this year and the Raiders defense has been significantly worse against the pass than it has the run this year. So, but I think that's where it's interesting is, is can Carson Wentz do that? And can the Raiders be good enough to basically force Carson Wentz to do that? And can the Raiders score enough points in this game to keep it close? Because well, even not going to do it. Right. Even Sorry. if the defense is, even if the defense is solid, even if in the this defense game, holds them to 24, I don't know if that does it. Exactly. Like it's one thing if you're, if you're down 24, 21 in the fourth quarter right. and Carson Wentz has to make a play. If you're down 24 to 10, because the offense is still looking around unable to score, then they're probably just going to give it to Jonathan Taylor on right. third and 12, and he might get the first down. Yeah. So it's it's fascinating because this offense has been so bad for two months now, and they've managed to steal two wins the last two weeks because they've played backup quarterbacks. But if they get Carson Wentz, I just have a hard time seeing them scoring enough points. I think it's a great I mean, I think uh, I'll go with 101. Um because I just uh, have to have a hot take for you this morning because it's been so crazy. Is that a hot take or is that just a specific prediction? I think it's a hot take. Okay. The way as good as he's been, I think it's a hot take. Uh, quickly before we go to break, what do you think about Darren Waller and the COVID list? Well, hold on now. We're not going to break anytime soon. <laughs> We're not. Hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> Don't we have, like, I like to be a radio guy. Don't we have a hard out at 7.15? No, no, no. See, not, not this morning. We played our 7.15 commercials already. Oh, we played yes. a lot of commercials. Yeah, so Whacking that thing around. Yeah, that. there we go. That's so, uh, that's the interesting part is Darren Waller going on the COVID list. Because Darren Waller can still come back. He cannot take advantage of the new protocol, 
where it, you can come back in five, five days, days if you're asymptomatic. Because he tested positive yesterday, five days would be Monday, right. meaning he could not play. But because Darren Waller is vaccinated, he can come back if he tests negative. So if Darren Waller has a negative test, he will be able to play on Sunday. But my problem is this. Darren Waller hasn't practiced since Thanksgiving. Other than running around by himself. That's all he's. That's all we've seen him do and be on a treadmill. And if, if Darren Waller, even if he tests negative on Saturday or Sunday, if he hasn't practiced since Thanksgiving, I have a hard time seeing the Raiders putting him in a game. Wow, even as bad as they've been offensively, you don't think they take a chance and see how he looks early? Just I, put him out there? I mean, I guess if if they got back, hey, he's 100%, right. then then I guess there's no fear in it. But I just, Rich Passaccia said, was it last week he said they wanted to see Darren Waller on the practice right. field before they put him in a game, and he didn't practice last week. And Rich Passaccia then said this week that he was hopeful to get Darren Waller on the field uh, Wednesday. And then yesterday, Rich Basachi said, by the way, Darren Waller <laughs> tested has tested positive for COVID. So it, everything Basachi has said is sort of led it to believe, okay, when you see Darren Waller back practicing, even if it's limited or whatever, that'll be the key to when Darren Waller comes back and actually plays in a game. But we haven't exactly seen Darren Waller right. practice and we're not going to see Darren Waller practice uh, before the game, most likely anyway. So I have a hard time seeing Darren Waller play on Sunday. Like, I, I just... I mean, then do we have a hard time seeing the offense being any better than it has been? So that's... Yes. And that's really the question is how much is Darren Waller's absence hurt the Raiders? That is, it hurt them. What's the best game so far in last two months? Dallas. Yes. And, and other than that, they haven't been good offensively. They got a big play uh, from Deshaun Jackson. Right. I think that's the last time Deshaun Jackson had a catch of over 10 yards. He's had a couple other short catches. Uh, but it's really been... like because. The Raiders, target-wise, it's been Hunter Renfro. Like, yeah. Hunter Renfro's yeah. had a great season, but when he's the only guy that any defense is really afraid of, right? Like, when Foster Moreau's the number two guy in targets or Zay Jones is the number two guy in targets, if I'm defensively, I don't, I don't care about those right. guys. Like, I'm not worried about Zay Jones or Foster. Just don't leave them wide open 20 yards down the field. So, like, getting Darren Waller back at least gives defenses two guys that they say, oh, we don't want that guy to beat us. Right. We don't want that guy. So that to me, I, I'm curious how much of a difference it would make. Cause I don't, I don't think Darren Waller is like the difference in this offense scoring 17 points and scoring 30 points. Oh no, not no, but, but it gives them an extra option that they have to be, that the Colts would have to at least honor at least right. to see if he's how healthy he is. Right. But is it the difference in 17 and like 21, 24, that that's, it. that could be more realistic for this offense. I just, I don't know exactly how to gauge how much Darren Waller is worth. Right. To this offense, even though I, I do think it's quite a bit, given that they don't have any other pass catchers that you should really be worried about. So that's that's an area where you look concern-wise and say, okay, if they get Darren Waller back, how much of a difference would that make? And if they don't have them, what can they do differently that they haven't been doing I don't doing think the they can do anything weeks? differently. Right, that's and the I don't concern. Think, and you made a good point earlier. So I want to see if your point is valid in terms of that they fell in love with the run because Josh Jacobs had the one great drive of seven carries and 53 yards. And if they do that again, I don't think they have any chance. Yeah. Uh, they're most likely not going to be able to run the ball that successfully against the Colts. No. Like Josh Jacobs has one 100 yard game. It was last week. And like you said, half of it came on, on one, one drive. drive. And 
he looks really good on that drive. And that drive is a big reason why the Raiders won the game. But he wasn't exactly good in the first half. He wasn't really that good after that drive either. It's fine. But wasn't anything special after that drive. And my fear, like I talked about on Monday, is that the Raiders will have looked at that and said, look, we established the run. It worked well for us. Let's do it again. Let's keep pounding yeah, the run. It's not going to happen in, in Indy because right. you're going to have to score more points, and you're not going to score a lot of points doing that. Right, even though we have basically an entire season's worth of data that says Josh Jacobs and this running game have been completely ineffective. Right. And so that that will be an interesting thing because if the, if the Raiders come out and they try to establish the run, they try to win this game because they're going to run the ball and, I don't know, keep the Colts offense on the sideline or whatever – I don't think that goes well for them. I think they'll be punting a lot. I think yeah. they'll have a lot of third and eight. AJ Cole, well, the, the Pro Bowler. It'll be third and eight, and Derek, if Derek right. Carr converts a bunch of third and eights, then yeah. they'll be fine. If he doesn't convert a bunch of third and eights, then I don't think that'll work. But that is my big fear going into this game, is that they are trying going to try to establish the run. I think the books think he's playing because the line is back to six. If the, he wasn't playing, yeah, if he wasn't playing, there's absolutely no chance that line would be six. Yeah. If it's Sammy Ellinger. Sam Ellinger. It was almost going to be fat Philip Rivers, but Philip Rivers said, no, I've been coaching high school for a year, and there's absolutely no way I can come back and play in an NFL game. <laughs> All right, because this show's a little bit of a mess. This is now where we do the This is now our segment. hard out? Well, yeah, but we're not going to commercial. Oh, okay. I'm just telling Press you we're box. changing. Transition. Did you do that? No, no, that's Doug. Doug is at oh, home. Oh, Doug is listening? Yes, Doug is at home listening. Is that Doug, too? That's Doug. Oh, man, look buttons. at Dougie. Come on. So. It's a good job there, Dougie. UNLV has its first Mountain West game on January 1st. They play San Diego State at 1 o'clock. Uh, Ken Palm projects San Diego State to win 68-62. Are you optimistic at all that UNLV can beat San Diego State? I'm optimistic they can beat San Diego State. In fact, hot take. Oh, here's a hot take. This is a really here's hot, a hot take. take. This is a really hot take. I think they're going to win. Really? Yes. I did not think Air Force would beat Utah State last night. That happened. And I think they're going to win. I don't. Ask me why. I don't know why, because San Diego State ranked ninth in Ken Palm in defense. They're, is this the best defensive team they'll have faced? I'm trying to think back what Michigan was. I'm trying to think back what the good teams they lost to were. You, you, you've uh, seen UCLA, most of these games. Is, UCLA was probably a was top 10 at the time. Okay. I think Michigan I think Michigan was top 10 at the time, but Michigan is, has fallen quite. Yeah, Michigan's fallen down to 22 on defense. I want to say something like 64-60. 64-60. Yeah, that, that's my hot take. I want to say 64-60. I don't think... Look, this is not the Poets. Is it the Whittier Poets? Whittier Poets. Yeah, this is not the Whittier Poets. But I, they've been playing pretty well lately. Um, they both had a long time off to prepare. San Diego State was supposed to play a game this week. It got canceled against a NIA team, the San Diego Christian or something like that. So I think at home... The key to well, not the key, but I think an important thing is going to be, and I keep seeing these deals, is how many people are they going to get out there at one o'clock on January first? Five thousand. Can they people. get five thousand? I think announced 5, or real, real five thousand. Really? I I think their attendance this year has been pretty close to the real attendance. Like they've like the exaggeration. They, they haven't exaggerated the announce. Right. I, it's been pretty close. Like every time I've seen the attendance after a game, I'm yeah, that feels about right. Like it's still probably a little bit more than it actually was, but it's it feels the announced feels pretty real. I. I think they're going to get 5,000 people in the building. Okay. I think normal in normal years, UNLV basketball has, the attendance goes up in Mountain West play, right? When they and start playing Mountain State. West teams, attendance goes up. San Diego State is one of the two biggest conference games that they play Every at year. home. San Diego yes. State and Nevada are the two yes. biggest conference games at home. Um, I, I think they'll get 5,000. Honestly, I, I, I think they'll get more. I mean, I think we got a chance that there's 6,000 people in the building. 
Um, but I, I think it'll 6, be... 6,000 is loud in that building. Yeah, I'm telling you, maybe they'll make it a little different. Yeah. If it is something like 64, 62, 64, 61. Let me ask you this, because the whole cliche is always get to conference, reduce the, reduce the rotation. Now, this is only the first conference game, so I don't know if he's going to do that. He's got many players. Where do you see... What do you see his... Well, not only his best lineup, but do you see him reducing his rotation right off the bat in terms of uh, San Diego State? conference i am that's what i'm fascinated to see because he has played so many players this year and like they're just now getting victor e walker somewhat healthy somewhat in that realm so i'm i'm fascinated to see what he does because he has played 10 guys in like in first not not blowouts he's played 10 guys like in first half that's of my important point, yeah. games so i'm fascinated to see what he does because i i don't know if we know who the best five are who the best lineup is who the like I don't think we know I don't know that if you yet. know that yet I don't know if Kevin Kruger knows that yet so I, like point. it's obvious like Bryce Hamilton's obviously the best player on the team right that's the guy who's who they need to be the number one guy Donovan Diamond Williams, Williams is has now come along as the number two scorer right. and that's a big question he did it against Seattle and Hartford and Omaha can he can he do it against San Diego State that's a big question but Donovan Williams is there Royce Ham has been extremely important to this team. He grabs basically all the rebounds when he's on the floor, right? So, like those three, I think are very clearly your top three players at the moment. Jordan McCabe's going to play. Uh, yes. Jordan McCabe has some flaws, but Jordan McCabe is good enough that he's certainly in the conversation here for among your best eight players. And then after that, like Mike Nuga should be, but Mike Nuga has not been very good this year. Uh, if Victor Ewalker is healthy. He should be in that conversation as well. And then after that, you know, do you like Josh Baker? Do you like uh, Keyshawn Gilbert? That's Marvin Coleman, man. Yeah. I don't, I, I think if you're playing Marvin Coleman, it's because other guys weren't very good. Yeah. I think that's a, like, if you are going to contend in the Mountain West, you've got a better than Marvin Coleman on the floor. If he's playing, he's not, he's not going to kill you. But if he's playing, it's because other guys just haven't lived up to it. But like Josh Baker, Keyshawn Gilbert, um, and I'm forgetting one off the top of my head, Justin Webster, uh, those three, like, do they have a role on this? One of those is probably going to have to step into one. If UNLV is going to be good, but that's, that's sort of where we're at. I don't know that those three have, they Josh Baker's probably been the best of those three and he's started quite a few games recently, but that's really the question is, does Kevin Kruger know who his best five are, who his best eight, eight are? are? So you're, you're of the mind that at least early in conference season and who knows how many games are going to get in with all these being postponed and canceled that he will continue to rotation kind of like he has, that he won't already cut it down just because they're in conference play. He'll wait to do that. Yeah, and this game will be interesting because of how good San Diego State is defensively. We might learn in this one who Kevin Kruger trusts. And, like, he he might put, you know, a Josh Baker out there, a Marvin Coleman out there, a Justin Webster just out see? there. And if they've got two bad – like, Marvin Coleman had one against Michigan where he turned the ball over on his first possession and he came out of the game. And didn't play the rest of the game. So, like, there's, like, I, I think we'll we'll get some, I think we'll get an idea of some sort. If guys struggle, they might be on the bench the rest of the game, barring foul trouble. And we might get a pretty good idea of who he thinks his top five, six, seven are uh, in this one. Now, in his, in his mind, he probably wants to play 10. He probably oh, wants he, to be able I think to he play wants 10. to play 10. I don't know against this team he'll, if he'll be able to right. play 10. I don't think it's realistic, but I think he'll want to. Um, but yeah, I don't know. At this point, I don't know that we've really learned who their best rotation players are. You giving me a hot take on a score? Uh, San Diego State's going to win. Oh. 
Um, it'll probably be pretty ugly, like 61-51, something ugly like that. By the way, you mentioned that Air Force game. They beat yeah, Utah State last night. It was a 49-47. Yeah. Are you kidding me? One of 19 from three for the uh, for the Utah State team. 49-19. One of 19 is brutal. That's what UNLV's trying to do. I laughed because a UNLV fan on Twitter this morning said, if you lose the Air Force in Clune Arena, you were absolutely horrible. I'm like, did you watch a few years ago? <laughs> were, you, were you paying attention? Maybe they were because they were like, those UNLV teams that lost there were horrible. They were terrible. Yeah. People go in there and lose. It is a weird place. I've been there when the cadets are there and when the cadets are not there. And it doesn't matter. It is a very strange place to play. And something happens when you walk into that arena, man. Two two arenas in this in this conference whether it's Wyoming where they greet you with the sign of welcome to 7,000 plus feet, or when you go into Clune Arena, with the, especially if the cadets are there and they're they're getting into it, uh, that is a weird place to play. So a good win by Joe Scott. Uh, Air Force, win. Uh, they went 7-4 and four in non-conference play. They didn't play a single top 100 no. team, by the way. Some of those yeah. games, I didn't even understand who the opponents were. Utah State was the first top 100 team they played, and they beat them okay. by two. So Air Force, I don't think they're good, but yeah, no, they might beat UNLV. Far more disappointed than Utah State. But then again, one of 19 from three. Yeah. That, you, hit, you go three of 19, you win, you win the game. Win so the game. you just go three of 19. All right. We're going to take a break. We think. And hopefully the show will be better when we get back. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Welcome back to the Press Box. Kira's in studio running the show for us, making us. Uh, I am. Hopefully making this go a lot, a lot more smooth this morning. Do my best. Yes. Uh, Jeff Erickson is going to join us at 815 now. So fantasy football questions. If you're in your fantasy championship, uh, Jeff Erickson will be by here at 815 to answer whatever questions you have. Now, in the meantime, by the way, what a job by I'm going to give a golf clap to a. Doug from home and Tyler here getting us off the. Uh, well, I didn't do anything getting us special off the boat today. Doug, Doug from home with the drops. <laughs> You're a pro in your head. That's happening. So, I am fascinated by the NHL because this is a league that is in. There's Doug again. That's Doug. Doug. He's still at Doug home. In. Still pressing buttons. He loves the buttons. So, I'm fascinated by the NHL because of all our sports here in the United States or in North America, we have seen a loosening of restrictions for COVID. The NFL is like, you know what? If you test positive, you have to test anymore in that uh, league. We're just not going to test you. You can come back whenever you tell us you're not coughing. The NBA has loosened some restrictions as well. They've allowed teams to sign an, an infinite number of players, depending on how many players you have on the COVID list. So there've been a loosening of restrictions on the NHL side. They have added a taxi squad, but they haven't really changed any of the protocols. And I think a lot of it comes back to Canada. Um, Last week, we had Darren Millard on the show, and he talked about Canada and how, yes, there's the Toronto Raptors, but the NBA and the NFL don't have to worry a whole lot about the regulations in Canada. But the NHL has like a third, what is it, a third of the teams? Third Not of the third teams, of the teams almost exist a third of the within teams Canada. Or in Canada. And so they do very much have to worry about the Road regulations right. in Canada. And they're much stricter there than they are here in the U.S. There has not been the relaxation. There has not been the pretending like the pandemic doesn't exist like right. we have started to do in this country. And so it's a lot harder to implement things like, hey, 
after five days, you can come back because in Canada, that's that's they're they're not letting fans go to games at some like the NHL just canceled nine games because fans aren't allowed to go and they're hoping to have games with fans later in the season. And so I almost feel like the NHL is in a spot compared to the NBA and NFL. They're going to have a really hard time, I think, getting in all 82 games because Canada is going to make this more difficult. And I don't know that it changes in two to three months. No, and I don't think even with the Olympic break, they're going to be able to get all, all the games in. Um, I think they're going to try to get as many as possible. Let me ask you this, though. Why am I saying, in one sense, good for Canada? Because they didn't give up on the pandemic. Exactly. <laughs> they have not given up on the pandemic. Like, and they're still, they're, I, I don't know specifically their numbers, but I think their numbers are pretty high if they're doing all this. And again, we're going to read what Marshawn said, but at the end of the day, I don't have a problem with what Canada is doing yet. I agree with you that they're not going to be able to get in 80 plus games for all of these teams, but I think it's more of an issue with our country and the, all the relaxation. I mean, you made a point all week, the NFL Carson Wentz is unvaccinated. He tests a positive, And in five days, not only if he's not systematic, he doesn't have, he doesn't have to test again, which is just <laughs> buffoonery. It's absolute buffoonery that you can't. He doesn't even have to test. He knows he's unvaccinated. We have stricter protocols here. Yes. If we <laughs> have to, if Tyler building. goes and fills up his water bottle and he doesn't put his mask on, I don't think he's allowed to be the producer anymore. <laughs> he can no longer be the producer of the show if he doesn't have a mask. So I, it's we as a country have gone all in on the idea of like COVID fatigue, and that hey. The, the Omicron variant is not going to be as deadly, and we're going to be just fine. So we've kind of gone all in on that. In case, because here's what's happened. We've had another, uh, another spike in cases, right? I think, we, I think yesterday we had more cases in the U.S. Yes. than any other day yes. ever. Yes. I think, that's, I think I saw that tweet this morning. So, like, we saw that, and we decided, you know what? We're going to pretend like it doesn't exist, and we're going to hope this isn't deadly, Right. Canada's like, you know what? That's probably bad news. We're going to probably keep everything or even increase protocols. So it's two completely different ways of handling it. Now, Brad Marchand, slightly different concern. But Brad Marchand came out with a tweet. He's upset about not being able to go to the Olympics, or at least it sounds that way. But here's, I'll, I'll just read his tweet from two days ago. The NHL and NHLPA can change the rules of the CBA to add a taxi squad so that they don't miss any games and don't lose any money, which has already been agreed upon that the players will pay back an escrow until the owners are made whole from what they have lost during the pandemic, regardless of how many games are missed. Yet, they can't do a taxi squad during the Olympics so they can honor the agreement they made so the NHL players can go to Beijing. So Brad Marchand is looking at this and saying, listen, the NHL and the NHLPA can change the rules in the middle of a season if it protects their bottom line, if it protects how much money they're going to make. But the NHL and the NHLPA can't make a rule in the middle of the season to help players that want to go to the Olympics. Do you think he has a valid argument? Okay, I think he has a valid argument, but here's, here's the other thing I think, and you've t you and I have talked about this. I'm not so sure or convinced most of them really wanted to go. I'm not so sure and convinced they wanted to go to Beijing and take the chance, being away from their families, first of all, for the Olympics, because I don't think the families would have gone. 
and take the chance that they test positive and all of a sudden they're in a hotel room or wherever for 10 more days in China while their team is playing back and they've restarted. So I get his point of, hey, if you can do it for this, why can't you do it for us, those who want to go? He obviously wants to go. Yeah. He obviously wanted to go to China. But I'm not convinced the majority of players, they might not have said it because you don't want to say you don't want to play for your country. I get all that. <laughs> but if it's me, I don't know if I want to be in China. I, I think that helps his argument, though. Because if it's like, let's say it was 20 players in the NHL that just, that said, hey, I want to go to the Olympics, even though as There's a whole a we've pulled out, right? I still want to go. I think that helps Brad Marchand's case because basically what he's saying is the NHL put in a taxi squad. So teams right. can carry, I think it's six, seven, eight, so they uh, whatever can keep it is. playing now. They've got, they can take a group of guys with them. If somebody tests positive the day of a game, Hey, guess what? You've got the taxi squad on the trip with you. You can call a guy up and he can play that day. You can play with a full roster or you don't have to miss a game, whatever it is. That's what his argument is. And he's basically saying they should do the same exact thing and let him go to the Olympics. So have a taxi squad. I don't have a problem with that. So when Brad Marchand goes to the Olympics, the Bruins have an extra player right. that they can plug not in. him, but they have an extra player. Right. And and that's where I, one of the questions I don't quite understand, the NHLPA basically agreed with the NHL, hey, we're not going to send our players to the Olympics. Right. Can Brad Marchand still not, can he not go? Can he not just like say, okay, that's cool. I'm still Can he going. go against his union, you mean? Right. Like, is that... Does he get kicked out of the players? Like what happened? Like he, he can still go. I right? assume he could just say, "I'm going to go play." We're not going to physically block no. him from getting no. on a plane. So like I, but the way he's phrasing it makes it sound like he can't go. And I wonder, maybe there's a monetary punishment. Maybe if you go, it's like the team can withhold your salary. Uh, I guess would be my guess from this. But I don't know. I feel like, I think I agree with you. Where most players probably don't want to go. Most players would not. Say, hey, yeah, I'll go to Beijing, and if I test positive, I got to stay there for more than a month right. or whatever. But if there's 20 guys that want to go, let them go, right? Like, right. If, like, let them go, and like their teams just have to deal with. Okay, we don't have Brad Marchand for a month or whatever it ends Do up. Do you being. find it uh, curious that no one came out to support? I shouldn't say support him because that's kind of unfair to him. But I, I unless you've seen it, I have not seen other players come out and say, yeah, he's right, I want to go there too. Was- there was, Were there anybody? I'd have to go find. There was one other player that tweeted something similar in to, support of yeah, him. Yeah, and I can't remember who it was, but there was Only somebody one. else that came out. And I, I, again, I think it does kind of well. You're pushing back at your own union, is what you're sure. doing. Because this is not just this is not just the league. Right, the NHL, the NHL decided, they had to agree. agreed to all yes. this. So it's not you're not just mad at Gary Bettman. You're not no. just mad at the owners. It's your union came to this agreement with the NHL, so you're mad at your your own union, which you don't want to publicly always be mad at your own union. That's not a great place to be. So I think some of that is there, but I also again think there's there's probably a limited number of guys that are that would say yes, I desperately want to go to the Olympics regardless of what right. the potential quarantine. Okay, if it's a hand, I'm with you. If it's a handful, let them go. Yeah, I, I just, mean, if they want it, and the other thing is, if Marshawn goes and no one wants anyone to test positive, but he tests positive and he's got to be there for a month, then he made the decision to go. Right, and I, and I guess if you're a team, you you're trying to not let that happen because then you could lose Brad Marshawn for what? I was going to say you don't months. want him going. Right, you could lose him for two months. <laughs> right, but at the same time, I don't. Is it is it that like here's here's the thing in soccer right now? There's like. In, uh, European leagues are playing games in January. There's a massive 
African tournament. So the best African players in the world are not going to be able to play for two weeks or something for their teams. Like Mo Salah is probably the best player in the Premier They're going home to play in the tournament. Liverpool's not going to have Mo Salah for however long this tournament ends up lasting. It's not completely unprecedented in our leagues that have a big international game as well to lose players in a regular right. season. Like, yes, it sucks. But like the that Bruins are going to time, though. but the Bruins should be fine if Brad Marchand's gone right. for a month or even two months, right? The Golden Knights would be fine if Shea Theodore went to play with Team Canada right. for two, and he and he tested positive and had to court. Like, you'd be fine if you're not. Sorry, your team wasn't good enough. Yeah. Like, you just weren't good enough. Like, I think it should be acceptable if there's 10, 20 guys that want to go. I think they should let them go. I think they absolutely should let those guys yeah. go and. I think Brad Marshawn well, has the point? a great point. Like you said, what's the point? And what, well, like Marshawn said, what's the point of the taxi squads on the other end? Yeah, what's it's the point of it? To you make sure the games get played. Yeah, so they the want as many games money. as possible yeah. to get played, especially with what's going on in Canada, because I think the Canadian teams are going to fall short of a lot of these games. Yeah, I. That's the thing is like, has Ottawa played since the beginning of the season? <laughs> When's the last time Ottawa? Are they back yet? They went like weeks without playing. First of all, they. I mean, they weren't very good, but they. They got so many canceled in a row. There's no chance. I don't care how many you make up during the Olympic break. There's no chance a team like that's going to get in the full amount of games. I Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, the Olympic break gives them the opportunity to make the games up, but not that many. It's not that far away either. Like, you, the idea that, like, because the NHL, they came out and postponed stuff in Canada. They I think it was nine games because a lot of the arenas aren't allowing fans in or allowing a limited number. And they want to have a full crowd there. Cause that's sure. to make more money. And they said, we're going to postpone until later in the year when we can have a full crowd. Is that changing in two months? Like, or suddenly not Canada if they gonna... stay with their protocols. Yeah. Not if Canada stays strict. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I think it's the flames who have the longest break. The flames okay. have not played since December 11th. Are they still in first? <laughs> oh no, wait, the golden Knights are in first. They, uh, they, the poor flames left in first. Now they're in like six because they haven't played. They have played five less games than the golden Knights. Now it's oh, quite a five bit. in hand, five less. Can you imagine that? Yes. They're 10 points behind. They have no chance. No, they have 12 games in hand. All right. Coming up next. Deion Sanders, man, he's afraid of UNLV. It's the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Can you believe the Deion Sanders is afraid of UNLV. I can't believe that. I do think there's a bunch of ADs across the country saying, why in the world would you say this? We, so, need, the, we need the money. Why are you even putting this out here? So Deion Sanders, a uh, story in the New York Post, by the way. Deion Sanders was talking about uh, buy games, basically, mm-hmm. where teams will go and play. Uh you know, if your UNLV does it, UNLV gets paid a million dollars, a million plus every now and then when they go play. They're going to do it next year when they play Notre when, Dame. When they go to Notre Dame yeah. next year, they get a big um, check. Is it Ohio point, State. I is was it at 1. that point game. two? Yeah, it's over it a million. Might be more than yeah, one point I was two at the Ohio the State game. game. I've been at the Wisconsin game. UNLV does it. Deion Sanders coasters at Jackson State. Jackson State has done this a lot in the past. Jackson State actually did it with UNLV. Jackson State came and played here against UNLV in 2016. UNLV won 63-13 in that game. Uh, Johnny Stanton threw for three touchdowns. Um, that was, you know, five years ago. Deion Sanders was not the head coach then. So he's talking about buy games here. He said, I'm going to go to these various schools, get my butt kicked, but I'm walking out of there with $750,000 or a million dollars. That's not worth it to me. To me, that's the ultimate sellout to children. I know I'm not going to win, 
I'm going to lose three or four players to injury, and you're going to humiliate my team, and I'm going to have to build them back up next week to play again. That doesn't make any sense to me. Is Dion talking about it, talking to like a guy who has a ton of money and is uh, okay with missing out on this much money for his athletic department? He is. He absolutely is. When now, he says that's not worth it to me, might not be worth it to you. But I'll tell you what, you have a president in AD that says that million dollars is a hell of a lot worth it to us. Right. And so Jackson State, or Deion Sanders, he doesn't want to deal with no. losing to Ohio State 70-3. to UNLV 63-13. to Right. But his athletic department is probably like, you yeah. know what? It's okay if you lose 70-3. Yes. What's their operating budget? Because we're doubling our operating budget when you do so. Here's my question for you, though. Do you believe? That 2021 Jackson State, who went 11 and 2, 2021 Jackson State, if they had been on UNLV's schedule, do they beat 2021 UNLV? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, although I'm going to say it's very close. (laughs) UNLV lost to an FCS school to start the year. I think there's a legitimate chance Jackson State comes in and beats UNLV. And so. I, my solution to Deion Sanders, I don't know how much UNLV paid them in 2016. No, it wasn't a million. It wasn't a million. <laughs> but but my solution to Deion Sanders, schedule the UNLVs. Schedule the teams right. that are the, like. Go get 300,000. Yeah, middle 000. to bottom of group of five conferences right. that'll pay two or $300,000. And you have a chance to win. But if you don't win, you're not going to lose 70 You're not getting three, humiliated. Because Jackson State is very good. Jackson yeah. State's defense was apparently unbelievable this year. But like, you, you know, you, you might UNLV might beat them, right? You might lose to UNLV. But it's probably going to be 31 to 23, right? right. You're going to lose by like one score or something like that. And it's not going to be the humiliation and you get $300,000 or whatever that payday ends up being. That's the solution if you're Jackson State. Don't be afraid of all Power 5 teams. Yeah, now, because when he's talking a million dollars, he's talking to Notre Dame's of the right. world. Right. And the other problem that he had raised there was him having to like coach his guys back, back up, up the next week. Like, oh wow, we lost seventy to three. Yeah. We suck. I under I I understand that. If you lose, th- if you're Jackson State, you lose thirty-one to twenty-three to UNLV. Not that you want to lose to UNLV, but you can probably pretty easily turn on the film and be like, hey, we make these three plays, we beat UNLV, we win that game, and that's that seems pretty easy. Where you know seventy to three, you probably don't even turn on the film. I assume when you lose like that. What has been your philosophy for UNLV? Because I've always I've had no problem with one buy game every either every year or every other year. They need the money like most group of fives do. But I thought at some point I don't know with this I think it was with Hauk, they got a little carried away with like two of those games, and I just think that's too many. So it all depends on what your expectations are, and if you are if your goal or I should say what your goals are. If your goal is to turn UNLV into a bowl team, then you should they should never play a bye game. Right. They should not play bye games. You're, you mean if your goal is six wins and just six go to the wins, Arizona go bowl. to a bowl game, you should not play a, a, a bye game because that's a that you're scheduling a loss and you're making it to where you've got a you're taking away one of the twelve chances you have to win six games. Um, if you're not that like if you as an athletic department can look at it and say hey. You went five and seven. Sure, you didn't go to a bowl game, but we know you scheduled Notre Dame and that was a scheduled loss. Then you absolutely take 
the buy games. And you say, whatever, sure, you didn't go to a bowl game. Because, a million. because in reality, there's not a lot of difference between a six and six team and a five and seven team. Like those teams are right. the same. Right. Like heck, sometimes five and sevens get into bowls. Right. But there is a big difference in college football because six and six goes to a bowl game. Right. And UNLV hasn't done that. And that is a point that they want to be at. They want to be a bowl team. So you can't schedule Notre Dame if you want to get to six wins.